Welcome to the Cosmic Connection. This is your place to explore the beauty and order of the cosmos. And your connection to it all. My name is Amanda Poole-Walsh, and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And I'm Rick Merlin-Levine, your Cosmic Navigator. Now let's dive in. Let's do it. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Connection. I am so happy to be here with all of you and really, really, really happy to be here again with you, Rick, two times in one week. How lucky are we? Um, We are lucky. We get to look at this week that we looked at last week, and then we get to look at this month, next month that we look at today. You said something on the weekly weather. You said July 1st is the most important day of June. And so I'm really curious to hear what you say is the most important day of July. I, you're going to hate me for this. You're going to hate me. It's it's August 1st. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm, I was thinking, how do I approach this? Because if you remember correctly, back in 2019, I said that the most important date in 2019 was January uh, 12th or whatever. Yeah. The, you know, with the date of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 2020. And so I feel like I feel like I'm always stretching the boundaries sometimes inappropriately. But uh, the July 1st date that we talked about last week, I also said that I thought that the combination of the new moon and the moon moving through Cancer as it opposes Pluto and squares Mars, which is what it's doing yesterday and today, prior to we're recording this on June 30th, that that would take some of the oomph out of July 1st, because it would almost be like a, a premature expression. And certainly with what's going on in the world, and it's specifically from my point of view in the United States, um, I seem to be on target with that one. But it is true that July builds to a crescendo of August 1st. And we'll get to that in a few minutes, but um but it, but I'm not making it up. It's like like July 1st is the most important day of June. August 1st is the most important day of July. And it's not that it sets the tone for the month ahead. It's more that it culminates the energy from the month behind. Mm, wow. So this is a trend and you're the one who keeps bringing this up. And it's really helpful though, because as we can feel energy rising and and brewing, it's like, okay, there is a culminating moment. This is, this energy is moving towards something. I've been thinking about that all week, Rick. It's like, it's felt like it's brewing. And then today and tomorrow, I mean, it's definitely felt like, okay, we're at culminating moments. Like we got to ride these waves, right? Well, we don't have any choice. I mean, we're we're tied to the surfboard right now and we're riding the waves whether we would like to or not. Absolutely. Okay, quick question. Uh, well, actually, before we go into the theme, which I'd love to to see if we can get that out in the beginning here, but I don't know if this is one of those months where we need to do the forecast and then the theme will emerge. But before we do that, today is the final day to join the inner circle. So any of you who have been on the fence and looking at it and going, I don't know, maybe I want to do it. I want to check it out. Today is the day to do that. It is astrologyhub.com slash inner circle 22. It is available for students of all levels. If you like the cosmic connection, if you like listening to Rick, 
you are definitely at the right level for the inner circle and you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. It's this level of conversation. I mean, nobody is Rick, so there's no replacing Rick, but the level of conversation, the level of engagement with the cosmos and the riding the energies and understanding the astrology around it. This is definitely the, the kinds of conversations we're having. So check it out. See if it's right for you. We would love to have you. Enrollment does close tonight at midnight. It's June 30th, 2022. If you're watching this later, you can get on the wait list for our winter enrollment open period, which happens in December. All right. Well, I appreciate that there's no replacement for Rick. Um, however, when I'm gone, I'll be replaced pretty quickly. It's fine. That's the nature of the bigger picture of the universe. We we all have inflated importances for, you know, for a moment here and there, but that's it. Okay, let's go to the theme. Theme for the month. I, I think this month is pretty straightforward and I and and it's basically uh deeper and thicker. You know, it's um it's not so much more of the same, but it's like, you know, when you're cooking a stew and and the stew is thickening and it's like if you don't turn it down enough and if you don't stir it often enough it ends up being a real problem because it begins to stick to the bottom and once it burns it's like there's no recovery and i feel like this is july that that if we don't keep stirring it you know uh because it it, it is at that point of thickening and I think it's actually right on schedule, but too early to call what direction it actually will go. And I know I've said this before, even going back to last year, but I don't think we're going to be able to call which direction this is going to go. And when I say this, I mean all of it until after Election Day in the United States, and I know that we have lots of um, um, members, participants, uh, viewers who live outside the United States. Um, I've been in touch with a number of my international friends in the last couple of weeks, and they all agree that what's going on in the United States, you know, from the Supreme Court, um, you know, turning over Roe, Roe v. Wade and making abortion potentially illegal, potentially illegal everywhere, um, and 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 actually illegal in up to 28 states over the next few months, that that in a way is not just an American issue because so much of the country looks to the United States as being a step, you know, ahead, you know, and with the other Supreme Court, you know, kind of taking away women's rights, but giving them to guns, you know, uh, for those people who don't know, the Supreme Court basically overturned a 40 or 50 year old law in New York state that basically um, required people to register if they carried a concealed weapon. And the Supreme Court says the state does not have the rights to overrule that. And yet they do have the right to overrule uh, a woman's body. There's something very important. I don't care what your individual politics are. That doesn't concern me. You can be left wing, right wing, radical, upside down. I don't care. But this is what's happening out there. And what's happening out there is a very interesting thing. And where it's going to go is interesting. Today, June 30th, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the right of the federal government in the United States to legislate carbon emissions at the state level. And again, I don't care what your politics are. 
this has been now a ruling. And so all I'm saying is, is that this week as a bombshell week has laid down some edicts. These aren't, I mean, these are things that could theoretically be reversed by legislation, but that's not going to happen today or tomorrow or next week. Now, as July unfolds, though, we're moving closer and closer to what is going to, I think, be a culmination turning point, which will be election day in the United States. And I don't think anyone right now can predict what will happen. There's just way too much dynamic craziness up in the air. And some of that craziness is coming from what we talked about back in 2020 about the Uranus, uh, the Saturn square Uranus. You remember Saturn and Uranus squared exactly three times in 2021. And the third and the first time was right around the January 6th um, insurrection. The third time was on Christmas Eve Eve. So it really kind of covered the whole calendar year of 2021. And everyone was saying, okay, well, we're done with that because that was the third and final exact square. And, And I and many other astrologers also went on record saying, yes, but when um, Saturn turns retrograde, um, and Saturn turned retrograde uh, almost a month ago on June 4th. When Saturn turns retrograde, I said back then, it will be moving back closer to repeating that square a fourth time. Now, it does not reach the exact, exact square, but it comes within a half a degree of of what we call orb of half a degree of exactness and so um and and this basically will kind of come to its height in september october but uh, in november it will still be playing there and the uranus the saturn uranus square is in play on election day in a major way there's an eclipse on election day on that morning um uh, a lunar eclipse and Mar- Mars is retrograde. I mean, it's a crazy day. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but Mars plays such an important role in all of this because Mars turns retrograde the end of October, which means that Mars will begin to slow down before it turns retrograde. Um, and it doesn't turn direct again until next January. So there is a piece in this that, that Mars retrograde that we're feeding into. Now, how we're feeding into it is that we've had all the planets that were retrograde one by one turned direct through most of this summer. The planet, the outer planets have been direct, but they turned retrograde or are still in the process. July adds to this theme. Pluto was the first one to turn retrograde the end of April. Um, and then I think in order, Saturn turned retrograde the beginning of uh, of June, and then the end of June, meaning um, just a couple of days ago, actually, uh, uh, on the day um, of the Cancer New Moon on June 28th, Neptune turned retrograde. We'll talk more about that in just, uh, in, in just a few minutes also. But that leaves Jupiter to turn retrograde at the end of July, which means that Jupiter, which has been moving very quickly through the beginning of Aries, is now slowing down 
And when it reaches almost nine degrees of Aries, eight degrees, 43 minutes, it will turn retrograde on, um, on July 28th. And then the other planet that will turn retrograde this month, this month being July, next month we're recording on June 30th, is that Chiron will turn retrograde on July 19th at 16 degrees of Aries. So we have both Jupiter and Chiron in Aries having moved into Aries and saying, go ahead, go ahead. It's new territory, Aries. It's we don't know where we're going. We don't even know where we are. It's okay. We'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Aries is the it's the acorn kind of just growing, just poking its green above the ground. It's the germination. It doesn't yet know how powerful an oak tree it could theoretically be in a couple of hundred years. It just knows that there's a life force and something's pushing it forward. That's where we've been. And now as these two Aries planets pushing us forward, turn retrograde in Aries, there's going to be kind of like a little bit of that backwash that happens. And in fact, all the outer planets will be retrograde with the exception of Uranus, which turns retrograde not until January. Uranus is the one right now that is that is out of sync. But Jupiter and Saturn and Neptune and Pluto and Chiron by the end of July will all be retrograde. And that's kind of like, it's like breathing hard and fast and then all of a sudden going and taking a really deep breath inward and stepping back and just kind of letting it all sink in before that push forward again. So July is intriguing. There's a number of inner planet changes. Mercury is moving as fast as it goes right now. Remember, we came out of a Mercury retrograde the beginning of June. Mercury turns um, turns retrograde again in September. But what that means is July and August, July and at least the first part of August, Mercury is flying. And Mercury right now is really flying at the beginning of July. Mercury is at 23 degrees of Gemini and Mercury moves into Cancer on July 3rd, 4th. Incidentally, Mars moves into Taurus on July 4th. We'll come back to that in a moment because there's a real change of energy as Mercury and Mars both change signs. But we're focusing here on how fast Mercury is going just for a moment because Mercury moves into Cancer on July 4th and it moves into Leo on July 19th. That means it whizzes through the entire sign of cancer in two weeks, two weeks. It's moving twice as fast as the sun right now. And so because of that, there's going to feel like things are really speeding up. And even though for most of that time, Mercury is going to be in cancer, that means we're going to feel like we're not putting out a lot of energy. We're taking in a lot of energy. And so this is a background of July it's odd. It almost might feel like things are slowing down a little bit in July because we're pulling in so much energy, but we're pulling it in faster than ever. And on top of that, because Mars moves into Taurus, Mars has been in Aries where it's been at home. There's There's been no stopping it from pushing into new territory, whether that new territory was the disclosures you know, of the January 6th commission, it was like everybody who watched that 
um, and everybody should, because again, I don't care what your politics are. Information is information. And, and just the amount of new information that came out of that was overwhelming. No one expected it with these Supreme court rulings. And I hate to stay political for a moment. It's just new, 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 new Mars and Aries has no restraints. Now, once Mars moves into Taurus, it's not backing up, doesn't do that until October, but it is now moving forward much more carefully. And it's almost like the cards have been laid on the table. Now we're going to see how they will be played. Fascinating. So it sounds like this juxtaposition of energy because you have this really, really fast moving Mercury and then you have all this other energy that's really slowing down. You have the retrograde. And then, like you just said, Mars going to Taurus. So I can see how that's playing out on the world stage. How will that feel personally? Well, you know, <laughs> I often focus on the world stage with the understanding that there is no difference between the world stage and the personal stage. Mm. In other words, everything that plays out globally is really part of our own individuality. And we can say, again, um, this is not about where you stand politically, whether you voted for Ronald Reagan or not. When things like that happen, you either feel like they're part of your expression or it's like, no, it's not part of my expression. But mm. the thing is, is it's part of the zeitgeist. It's part of what's out there. And, and it becomes part of our projection. It becomes how do we interact with that? And so from that standpoint, I think in relationships, it's very likely that over the past month or so, people have pushed into new territory, whatever that means. Whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, in a new job, not working, whatever, there's been things where we've been feeling like we've been, we've been like excited about moving forward and into new territory. And it's like now it's not that we're going to be backing up yet, although the outer planets are slowly doing that. It's a much slower energy. It's like we're, we're, we're still moving forward, but we're taking the time to pull energy in and to be a little bit more contemplative about what we're doing and where we're going. Remember, Mercury has been in its own sign, Gemini, which Mercury and Gemini, like Mars and Aries, there, those planets are unrestrained. They're at home. When Mercury moves into Cancer, instead of blabbering at every chance it gets, listens. It pulls in the energy. It doesn't miss anything. It goes back over the past and reconsiders what it already heard and how does that fit into what I thought was true. And remember, and I said we'd come back to Neptune. Neptune, although it was stationary, retrograde, meaning technically it turned retrograde on the day of the Cancer New Moon on June 28th. The fact is that Neptune has been at 25 degrees of Pisces in that it's actually the 26th degree. You know, if you say you're 11 years old, you're in your 12th year. I know that piece is confusing, but, but Neptune has been in the 26th degree of Pisces since mid-May, all of June. And even though it's turned retrograde now, it'll still be in that same degree until early August. <laughs> and so 
the idea that that Neptune turns retrograde on a day is more of a textbook technicality. Not that it's not important. I mean, it is important, but we sometimes overrate, you know, that saying um, in theory, theory and practice are the same. In theory, theory and practice are the same, but in practice, they are not. And in practice, Neptune has been retrograde station, stationary retrograde, or just stationary for almost a month. And it will be for at least another month, which means that everything is spinning around that stationary Neptune. And Neptune is the planet of um, dreams, imagination, anything is possible. Now, that's good news if we're imagining things that when they turn to reality are good. But if we're imagining fearful things or hateful things, or if we're imagining things to be true that are not based on reality, well, then we, then we, then we run into trouble. And so Neptune is a bit of a turning point. And I have to say, as an aside, you, I, you can see where the curtain is blowing over there. I do my best to block that curtain off so that it doesn't do that. Um, but I, I like the fresh air coming in and the weights that I put against that, that curtain are now defying me. That curtain is blowing and it's distracting me. And so I figured I should distract everybody else with it. Um, anyhow, Neptune is incredibly important this month because it's still not moving. And as the planets make aspects to Neptune through the month, that will bring that Neptune back into focus. And, and, and so we really have a situation where, um, where the planets moving through um, Gemini, late Gemini, um, are going, and that will be Venus will still be coming around there. Um, they'll be squaring Neptune. Um, um, Mercury um, will square, I'm sorry, um, uh, yeah, Mercury squares Neptune actually the very beginning of July. It's doing that like right now before it changes signs. Um, Venus squares Neptune um, mid-July, July 13th. Um, Mars makes a half square with Neptune on July 19th. And then there's a couple of smooth trines with um, with uh, Neptune. Mercury trining Neptune on July 17th, the same day that the sun does. And there we can believe anything. Um, the, the thing about Neptune is it's hard to know whether what we're imagining is useful, positive, and could be true, or whether what we're imagining is crazy. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned um, in other places, maybe here when the outer planets each were discovered, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, they were all thought to be pretty much awful. You know, Uranus was about disruption and, you know, and uh, um, destruction. And Neptune was about confusion, delusion, and insanity. And Pluto was about fascism, you know. And all those things were true for when those planets were discovered. And it wasn't until later that Uranus was also the planet of genius. You know, you can break through um, reality and not be, you know, just destructive. Neptune is not only crazy-making and or insane, it is also the dreamer who can dream out beyond Saturn and then it becomes real. And so the imagination portion of July is still significant, but there's another piece to all of this that I think is also 
quite important when we look at July as 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 a whole, and, um, and that is the 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 two lunations. You know, we're coming off of a new moon. A lunation is either a new moon or a full moon. We're we're coming off of a new moon in Cancer that everyone described as square Jupiter. Uh, we talked about that in the weekly. People can check out the weekly forecast for the first week of of July and as we drill down on that. But but amongst other things, the new moon in Cancer was 90 degrees or square to Jupiter, which many people were saying, this is great, expand, uh, take opportunity. This is, this is Jupiter, the planet of bigger, better, more. Great. And my comment was, we have to be careful about overdoing it because Jupiter is the temptation to say yes to everything before we really know you know what's what's going on and as we get to i'm going to skip over the full moon in capricorn just for a moment we're going to come back to that and that full moon in capricorn is on july 13th the new moon back in leo is on the 28th july 28th and that new moon in leo is at about almost six degrees of leo And Jupiter, which is stationary retrograde, remember Jupiter's turning retrograde on that same day, on the 28th, the new moon in Leo, Leo fire sign, Jupiter in Aries, fire sign, that new moon is trine Jupiter. And it's almost like at the end of July, that new moon says, Okay, now we don't have to worry about overdoing. It's now time to actually blossom this. It's time to make this bigger, better, and more. And I think that that's the important message behind the uh, the new moon on July 28th. Um, there are a couple of other things that, that do kind of add to a little bit of difficulty. Um, Mercury is squaring Mars. We have to be careful about speaking words of anger, about overinflating things. And most importantly, and this is what builds till July 31st and then is exact on August 1st, and that is as we move to the end of the month, Mars moving through Taurus, where it's normally quite stable and normally it is plodding, not plotting, that would be in Scorpio, plodding, P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G. Mars is plodding along except as it approaches 18 degrees of Taurus, it approaches a conjunction with explosive, out-of-the-box, crazy genius Uranus. And at the same time, the North Node, the nodes of the moon are in Taurus and Scorpio. And the North Node of the moon, and remember the moon's nodes always travel in retrograde, or at least they, they travel in retrograde as you know, their larger regular cycle. And so what we have is Mars coming in toward its conjunction with Uranus on one side and the North node backing into Uranus on the other side. And at the end of the month on July 31st, Uranus actually lines up with the North node of the moon. And on August 1st, Mars actually lines up with Uranus and, and the North node. And Remember, the opening of, of, of July was Mars squaring Pluto. And now, as Mars conjuncts Uranus and the North Node, 
we may see the fruition of whatever this bombshell intellectual mental you know that was dropped or has been dropped towards the end of june um we might see that come into fruition in some way uh by the end of july what's going to happen i don't know will something happen yeah Wow, that's amazing. It's so much great information. I have lots of notes. Do you want to pick out specific dates as we go through the month or are you ready sure. to kind of recap what you just did? Which was No, I, I actually, yeah, there, there's a lot. I'll pick out a few specific dates. Okay. Um, obviously, July 1st is Mars square Pluto and we're feeding into that already from the end of June. And this is power play. This is under the surface um, Mars anger, Mars the warrior, Mars passionate, kind of going up against Pluto. We live in a plutocracy. Remember, in historically, Pluto is everything underground, the unconscious even. But the the wealthiest people were people who owned what was underground: <laughs> gold, copper, tin, uh, silver. These were what made people extremely wealthy. And we live in a plutocracy, a government that is run by the wealthiest people. So in some ways, we have Mars feisty fighting up against uh, Pluto. And and yet there, Pluto has a lot of power that, that, that surfaces only when it is brought into, in, into play. And so we're seeing that right now, I think, at the beginning of July, um, on July 2nd, Mercury comes into play um, and Mercury trines Saturn. Communication becomes a bit more grounded. Mercury squares Neptune. It's not without its imagination. We're at that dance again of Saturn and Neptune that we've been playing with um, throughout June, in fact. On July 4th, Independence Day in the United States, um, we have Mars moving into Taurus. We talked about that. That slows things down, but it also makes us more determined. Wherever it is we're going, whatever it is we're moving toward, we're no longer rushing out of the starting gate. We're finding our pace. And so it's important with Mars and Taurus to find that pace that that we can hold. At the same time, um, also on July 4th, um, Mercury moves into cancer now because and we talked about that also as mercury in cancer is a meticulous listener observer because we take in information that we missed before we're very careful about what we are receiving and and how we mold that over in our brain but because mars and mercury are both changing signs the same day they are actually in sextile to one another and so Mercury moving into Cancer and Mars moving into Taurus, it's, it's like we're getting to communicate our anger, Mercury communicate Mars anger, our position, our, our boundaries in a way that's more effective perhaps than the heightened expressed over the top um, uh, confrontive um, anger of June uh, 29, 30, July 1st. Um, but July 4th is a powerful changing energy and it changes. It, it, it actually changes us individually when the faster moving planets change signs because we all integrate those faster moving planets in different ways. Um, but it does have a, a, an impact. By July 8th, 
we get a couple of squares um, to Chiron and Jupiter, both in Aries. And so here we might think a little bit more about what the result of our actions are, how we could possibly hurt someone we love or some old wound that hurt us that comes back into play um, as the sun squares Chiron and Mercury squares Jupiter, but we're talking big. We're talking about how we can fix it or, or, or solve it. Um, July 10th, um, we have the sun sextile Uranus. This is a day for easy expression of energy. If you have something that you've been putting off that you think you might get some resistance on, um, uh, you know, try July 10th um, because by July 10th, that, that um, sun sextile to Uranus is actually, um, it's, it's a good day to do things that are new. Um, by July 12th, we have Venus making a trine with, um, with, with, with Saturn. And we had Venus squaring Saturn last month, and and that holds back that energy of of, um, um, of Saturn. But when Venus trines Saturn, um, in some ways, that means that we have a very smooth flow of energy for what we like, what we want. That would be Venus, um, and um, the reality in which we are working. So, in other words. I would say that on July 12th, we're a bit more realistic about what our needs are. And that's feeding into the fact that the moon moves into Capricorn on July 12th. And that moon is a full moon on July 13th, the full moon in Capricorn opposing the sun in Cancer. Now we have Mercury very close to the sun in Cancer now. So there's a sense of communicating what our will is, but there's something with that moon in Capricorn that is not far from Pluto. And we haven't talked much about Pluto, but remember, you know, this is the year when Pluto in a tropical sense, that's the um, zodiac that most modern astrologers use, um, returns to where it was when the United States was born. And so we're getting the second, the Pluto retrograde hit on that now. And this full moon is close enough to Pluto that it's bringing up these deeper structural issues. Um, you know, even though the U.S. government is largely on holiday, meaning that that Congress isn't in session, there's stuff going on this week, um, you know, the week of um, Independence Day and the following week that I think are quite extraordinary and and yet this full moon um is not it's not aspected in a way that's been so so difficult as the um as the prior um lunations um there's no squares in fact this um this full moon is sextile uranus which means uranus is a bit of a release point and that's the planet that allows us to break free from the fear of what happens when we let go of the past and embrace the future. So we see some of that in this cancer, um, in this, in this cancer full, I'm sorry, Capricorn full moon, which is opposed to the sun in cancer. Um, July 13th, Venus squares, Neptune, romantic love, illusion. Um, things may not be as we think they are, or maybe say this way, things may not be the way we wish they were because this is Neptune kind of fuzzing out what it is that we 
believe our values are or what we believe we're being attracted to. Um, and then as we move on past that, that um, Capricorn full moon, um, the next thing of importance is that on July 16th and 17th, we have Mercury lining up with the sun. Um, and this is a superior conjunction, meaning that Mercury is on the far side of the sun. And, and even though Mercury is far away and it's invisible because the sun is blocking its view, it's almost like what we're saying can get out. It can, it can get out beyond our individuality. And also what's happening is the sun and Mercury are both moving toward their opposition to Pluto. This, the Sun-Mercury conjunction is at 24 degrees of Cancer, and Pluto is at 27 degrees of Capricorn, which means that by July 19th, that's just a couple days, three days later, um, that means that by July 19th, the Sun is exactly opposite to Pluto, and in fact, um, Mercury is opposite Pluto on the 18th because it's moving so fast now. And so here, I think we have a bit of a stumbling block. We have communication, Mercury and the sun that is running into this opposition to Pluto. And yet here, that stationary Neptune, which is still at 25 degrees of Pisces, even though it turned retrograde uh, almost a month ago now, or two, three weeks ago, it's still pretty much at the same degree. Not pretty much, it is at the same degree. And yet it's that Neptune now that forms a sextile with Pluto at one side of the opposition and a trine with Mercury and Sun at the other side of the opposition, the opposition between Mercury and the Sun on one side and Pluto on the other. And this means that we get to go to our idealism. That would be Neptune. We go to our dreams, we go to our fantasies, but now that becomes a way out of this locked power struggle that we've been tied into. And I see this June 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, even with Venus moving into Cancer. Venus is very sweet in Cancer. She has a harder time saying what she wants, but she's also, it's like demure. It's like... um um, it, 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 it's Venus and cancer. Basically, um, when she doesn't get what she wants, she's confused because she thinks if you loved me, you would know what I want. Why do I have to ask? So there's a sense of quietness going on and pulling in, but at the same time, um, we're also being encouraged to express what our dreams and our fantasies are, um, with that Neptune in the picture. Chiron turns stationary retrograde. Um, on the 19th, the same day Mercury goes into Leo, Mercury going into Leo, we tell it like it is. You know, here's, even though we have Venus moving into Cancer, shh, I'll wait, I'll be quiet, you know, um, I'll just love as I can. I'll, I don't mind loving in ways that people don't see me as long as I can express my care, my nurturing. Meanwhile, Mercury moves into Leo on the 19th, and this basically says, find a mountaintop and shout it. It's not shout your feelings, though. It's not shout. It's not share what you love or what you want or what you need. Instead, this is about making a song and a dance about something that's perhaps more action-oriented, more intellectual-oriented, 
more directional about where our goals are into the the future. Um, and remember, through this whole time, we also have that sun um, moving toward and culminating in its opposition um, to Pluto by the 19th. So although these are powerful days, they're not necessarily easy days. Then through the 19th, 20th, 21st, um, we have kind of some annoying, some some half squares. Um, and I don't want to detail what they are individually. It's less important than the fact is that there's some anxiousness. There's some, something's not right and, and we kind of need to deal with it. But on July 22nd, actually midday um, in on the West Coast of the United States, 1 p.m., 1.06 p.m., the sun moves from Cancer into Leo, this being the fixed summer sign. And now we're really in summer. This is the beginning of midsummer, even though we think of June 1st as a midsummer's night's dream, that first moment, the, the summer solstice. No, um, the, when the sun moves through, uh, through Leo, this is the solid, the fixed, the middle part of summer. Um, that's on July 22nd. And we become more engaged in who we are, what we are, what we're doing, where we're going. There's that sense of, of solidity that comes into the picture. And that's amped up by the fact that on the 23rd, Mercury makes a trine to Jupiter. Now, remember back at the new moon and June 28th, we had the, the sun and the moon squaring Jupiter. But now we have Mercury making a trine to Jupiter on the 23rd. And actually, the sun moving a bit slower behind it makes that trine to Jupiter on the 31st. And as we get to the 31st, we'll see how much we need that trine. But there's something here that is presenting as opportunity, as potential way outs of whatever the dilemmas we may be in, again, whether they're global or whether they're personal, um, the sun trine to Jupiter by the end of the month, I think, really lifts us up. However, as we move on toward July 24th, 25th, um, uh, 26th, we have a number of squares and square and a halfs um, that are, again, problematic. And so I look at July 24th, 25th, 26th, not necessarily as easy days, but they lead into the new moon on July 28th. And that new moon on July 28th, um, like I said earlier, it occurs at five and a half degrees, actually five degrees and 39 minutes um, of, of Leo. Um, and that occurs um, at 10.55 a.m. Pacific time. And the reason I'm mentioning the time is that Jupiter turns retrograde the same day at 1.37 p.m., just a couple of hours away. Now, again, Jupiter moves slowly enough that it's going to be at that eight degrees of Aries for a day or two. Let's see, Jupiter reaches um, eight degrees of Aries, um, yeah, back mid-July. Um, so it, it, it really slows down quite significantly. Um, Jupiter is at eight degrees of Aries really on July 7th, and then it turns stationary, and it's at eight and three quarters of a degree, um, but still at the eight degrees of Aries. Um, and even once it turns retrograde, um, it doesn't 
move away from that eight degrees. It doesn't back into the seven degrees um, until until mid-August. So the reason why I'm mentioning that is that this new moon um, is trine to Jupiter. And this holds a pattern of now, remember, the, the last new moon was square Jupiter. Don't take every opportunity that comes to state your position. You can know something and keep quiet about it. You can have a plan and not execute it. Um, and that's okay. It's not push everything out into the open. That was the new moon in Cancer. Now, however, the new moon in um, on July 28th, the new moon in Leo, trine Jupiter, says that rewards will come for that which is expressed. And so here we're really getting to a point of pushing things out into the open. We also have Mercury making a trine um, with Chiron during this period of time, actually a couple days earlier. But the point here is that now it's time to say and to do, but we also have some problem. And the problem is, as I mentioned before, Mars moving toward its conjunction only does this once every other year with Uranus as the node, the North node moves back toward Uranus. And there's another piece that comes into it. And that is that Mercury squares Mars actually on the 26th. That's one of those difficult squares that happens in that, excuse me, 24th to 26th period. But Mercury squares Mars, which again can mean um, Mercury words, communication, squares Mars. They become overinflated and get out of hand with assertion, aggression, um, especially because that we have also Venus squaring Jupiter. Uh, our expectations can be inflated. Um, the new moon in Leo trying Jupiter again. Things are being amplified. It's like the balloon is being blown up bigger and bigger and bigger. And then on the 28th, Mercury squares Uranus. Mercury squares the North Node. Um, Mercury also in the middle of all of this um, opposes Saturn. Remember, Saturn is still creeping back around into the picture, getting closer to its square to Uranus again. And so we run into a problem by July 30th. And now we have um, Venus squaring Chiron. The problem becomes more severe. Um, again, we can bump into walls. Um, and then we have the Uranus conjuncting the North Node on the 31st, the Sun trining Jupiter. Things are really out in the open. And then on August 1st, Mars lines up with Uranus. Mars lining up with Uranus. Remember, the month opened with Mars squaring Pluto. This is intense, heavy conflict, but it can be kind of subterfuge. It can be, it can be paranoia. It can be stuff going on beneath the scenes that you don't see. But now, as Jupiter, I say now, but on July 31st, as the sun trines Jupiter and um, Uranus conjoins the North Node as um, Mars comes in and conjoins Uranus and the North Node. Um, this this can be rather expressive. I'm going to use the word expressive instead of explosive. But remember, explosions don't have to be physical. They can be metaphysical. And the right metaphysical explosion becomes the lightning striking and us going, I got it. I never realized that. I didn't see that. And that's what we can hope for is that kind of ending to the month where 
we have some sort of mass wake up realization. <sighs> wow. Okay, I have. Some Wait, questions. that's what happens when you let me go unmoderated. You just, you, you just, you just went away and let me go, and I didn't know enough to stop. Oh, okay. So you say the theme is deeper and thicker. That's what you said. The overarching theme for the whole month, you use the analogy of stirring the pot. And if you, and as it thickens, if you don't stir it, it burns the bottom. What does it mean when the pot burns? Well, it's, it's almost like, it's like there's no escape. That's the other kind of theme I would say for this month. We're heading somewhere. We're heading in a direction. And, and if we let the pot burn, it's the stuff that gets buried, the stuff that gets hidden. This is Pluto, the stuff that becomes unconscious, the stuff that's not expressed. That's the stuff that sticks to the bottom. And when stuff sticks to the bottom, eventually it'll get knocked free or stirred free or scraped up. And when it does, it's not as tasteful. It's not as easy to integrate. And so it's really incumbent upon all of us to not necessarily push for any resolu resolution on any one issue. We're not trying to resolve every dilemma in our own personal lives or in the global political scenes. What we're trying to do is find ways in which we can express that which would be easy to be quiet about. But the more quiet we become about things that are important, the more likely those things will be the things that will stick to the pot that will then make problems down the road and make, and, and make life more difficult. So I think it's really important for us to keep in mind that we can express things in ways that are not necessarily destructive. Although when Mars conjoins Uranus, the tendency is is if I can say this and that makes someone aware, I can say more, that might even make them angry. I can say a lot and that'll turn their lives upside down. Our tendency is want to say is to want to say a lot. And I think that that's dangerous. Again, with Jupiter involved as a trine from, from the sun to Jupiter and with that Mars-Uranus node, it's important to keep the bottom from not sticking, to keep things stirring and yet not do it in a way that is destructive in the moment. We've had enough destruction. Now we're trying to figure out how we're going to make this work in the long haul, because obviously, um, you know, there have been several attempts to alter things in the moment, and some of them have been less successful than others. And I think that it's really important for us to focus on the long game rather than, than, than the short. So one of the things that you brought up, and I'm thinking about this whole stir the pot thing and allowing things almost to sort of like come up as they come up, but not in an, an explosive way. Not like you're trying to resolve everything or get everything fixed all at once. And another thing that you talked about with, was this pulling in energy, listening, reconsidering. How does that fit into what I thought was there? And that sounds to me also like a, a constant stirring versus letting anything get stuck because you're still open, you're receptive, you're listening, you're learning, but you're not necessarily doing much about it until it sounds to me like the end of the month is basically I, what you're saying. At the I, end of I, the I, I am, but, but it doesn't, this is going to be sound like two negatives. It doesn't mean that we can't do things earlier. 
It just means that the energy builds to the end of the month. And the more we can keep things in motion, the more we can keep aware of multiple perspectives. And again, I, I, th this affects everyone. It doesn't matter whether you are right or wrong on any one or every issue. I don't care. It means that everyone needs to be more aware of what the potentials are for either A, going quiet, or B, expressing too much. Because when we, you know, it's an axiom in, in ancient medicine that, um, that a remedy um, in too high a dose becomes a toxin. You know, in other words, that, that the right amount of aspirin, you know, can help reduce a fever, but too much aspirin basically makes your internal organs bleed. Um, and for those of you who are grossed out by that, I can't help it. Uh, but it's like, how do we keep the things in motion? How do we keep the concepts of what we're learning? It, it's okay to be surprised. It's okay to, to say, I didn't realize that, that that person was feeling that. I didn't realize that that's what was going on. I didn't realize that my behavior that day meant that you were going to feel this. It doesn't mean that we have to change everything or fix anything. It just means that by keeping the the, the pot stirred, um, it prevents things from getting stuck. And in fact, a case could be made uh, and is made from the homeopathic perception. Homeopathic medicine tells us that all dis-ease is from energy that's being blocked. And in Western medicine, we try to cut out the pain that's created by the blockage. In homeopathic medicine, you give a little, some, a, a micro, micro, micro dose so small that there's not even any physical substance there. It's just vibratory. But you give the, the patient something that actually agitates that blockage so it moves. You know, it's in Chinese medicine, they say that Western medicine, it's like a burglar stealing into the body and Western medicine gives a drug that kills the burglar. And in Chinese medicine, they say, well, that's fine, but now you got a dead burglar in your body. The real thing is to open up all the doors and windows and let them out. And so what I'm really trying to say here is that by keeping dialogue in motion, by, by listening and talking, but not letting that Mars Jupiter get carried away so far that we're now, every time we say something, we're just adding more adrenaline to everyone's situation. That's not useful. And in fact, if we don't say anything, or if we say inflammatory things all month, by the time we get to the end of the month and that Mars lines up with the, we have that triple conjunction of Mars North Node Uranus being squared by Mercury, this could be an unpretty picture. Unpretty, mm. is that a word? Uh I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know that before John Milton, the guy who wrote Paradise Lost, there was no such thing in the English language as an un anything. He invented the construction that created all these words like unacceptable or unavailable or UN anything. He invented that. Amazing. For those for those of you who care. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, it really is interesting. Okay, Rick, what I'm hearing is the word that we talked about on Monday which is discernment. 
it's just discernment. It's it's like we we can't be sloppy with our energy and we can't be totally restrictive of our energy, but we must be discerning about how we spend our energy, where we focus our energy. And that's going to help as the energy culminates towards the end of the month. Yes. I, I, I think that's the case. And I think also as Mars gets closer and closer to Uranus, the tendency is going to be to want to light all the fuses, to want to blow everything out into the open. And that may not be the best thing. May be necessary if no one says anything. In other words, something has to catalyze this. And we can either gently kind of um, uh, make the stirring a gentle catalyst all through the month, or we can wait until it's too late and have things um, stick so hard something needs to explode. And again, when I use the word explode, I don't mean physically necessarily. Right. Okay. This uh, E. Chandrika Galbox, I don't know if I'm saying that right or wrong, has a question, but it's reminding me of something that you've said, which feels like a big backdrop to the whole month, which is that we have all these outer planets going retrograde. We have Mercury moving as fast as it can, basically. And so we have Mm -hmm. this a little bit of a push-pull energy. But the question is, retrograde planets are closer to the Earth, correct? Correct. Wouldn't their influence become more intense? So will we be feeling the outer planets even more than usual? Uh, Likely so. Likely so. But remember, Mercury is as far away from the Earth as it can get when it's on the other side of the sun. Venus also moving direct. Mars also moving direct. The inner planets are not as close. But again, what this means is that the slow-moving cultural transformations that are occurring are bubbling. They're the things that actually can stick to the pot the most because when they turn direct, if they haven't been, uh, and they'll turn direct, you know, one at a time, um, actually beginning, um, they begin to turn direct, um, you know, next spring, um, actually. Um, and, and actually Uranus turns direct as early as January. Um, but when they begin to turn direct, um, that stuff will begin to move forward again. And and again, that's another layer of that which is stuck to the bottom may not move easily, which may, then may take more. It's it's like going to therapy, you know, and, and as long as we talk about our stuff, it keeps things moving. doesn't necessarily solve a particular problem we have, but it keeps things moving. But if we don't believe in therapy or don't, and then one day, things are particularly crazy in our life and we go to a therapist that first day can be rather explosive because all kinds of stuff has to come out. And that's the thing we want to avoid. Another question about the Pluto return, the U S Pluto return. It, I don't have much emotions about it. It's, it's July 11th, correct? Um, that is the exact tropical return. Yes. Although I am not convinced that, um, that it won't continue through 2023 and 2024 ah. when the sidereal Pluto return occurs. In other words, um, and I've said this before, I don't want to go into it deep, but right. but if you look at the NASA website, Pluto is a 248-year um, cycle, and we're only at 246 years, but that's because of the wobble, the procession of the equinox. So even though Pluto is returning to where it was in the United States' birth chart, it's not completed a full cycle in the sky. 
Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so the, the, on the first hit of the Pluto return, though, we did have the Ukraine-Russia war break out, correct? It was pretty, That's- it was really close to exact, wasn't it? Yes, but don't you think that if there's a war on the other and I know everything affects everyone, but if there's a war on the other side of the world between two other a people, and to think that it's your chart that made that happen, I'm not convinced. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I think we, as astrologers, we like to ascribe one-to-one solutions, you know, to everything that happens. But, you know, yeah, it, it happened. And, and yes, things are in turmoil. I mean, you don't have to be a damn tropical astrologer to realize that the United States is in a position right now like it's not been in ever before. And again, I don't care. Well, I do care what your politics are, and I'd be happy to discuss them, but not here. (laughs) And And the thing is that wherever your politics are, you can't you you can't dispute the fact that the United States is in a bit of a meltdown right now. Right. So, yeah. But remember, Pluto transits don't necessarily happen on the day of the transit. They're a couple years coming and a couple years going, and they're always looking for the other triggers. There are other triggers. I mean, the United States is also coming into a Uranus return, and the United States does not fare well when Uranus is in Gemini, meaning that it seems to go to war. Does that mean anything? We'll see. I don't know. Right. Okay. So, but that's happening. I mean, that's happening again is, this month for the second of three times this year. Right. Okay. So it's it's a big culminating month. It starts somewhat similar to the way that it ends, but July first and August first is basically these bookends. And in the middle, I, I think we have a pretty clear plan. In the middle, we're collecting information. We're allowing the energy to move. Uh, kind of gently and subtly as things are coming up. We're not letting anything stick and get stagnant. We're having the conversations we need to have without necessarily blowing everything up. And then that's going to set us up for a, a, a little bit more of a gentle time when we come to August 1st. And that's essentially what... One, one last question, Rick. Would you say, like true or untrue, is it unwise to continue moving forward at the same pace and energy level that we have been for the first part of the year, or at least the for like the last few months? I don't think we can, but we'll see. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that there still is. There's a, a lot of there's a lot of movement. I think sometimes it'll be difficult to know whether the movement is forward, backward, or sideways. There's movement. A lot of movement. Right. But it's going to feel, it's going to feel a lot different than that sort of like Jupiter and Aries moving forward, everything, you know, right. Remember, but remember at the end of the month, Jupiter will still be in Aries and that it's retrograde. It will be going closer to earth. And so on some level it's building power, even though, it may be moving backward. It appears to be moving backward in time, meaning that we seem to be going over old material again. You know, the other thing here, you know, to to um, keep in mind um, is that through this period of time, that the beginning and the ending of the month have some similarity in their potency, but they're very different energies. At the beginning of the month, this energy is much more powerful. 
but much less expressive. At the end of the month, it's much more expressive, but not as powerful. Not that it can't be powerful at the end and not that it can't be expressive at the beginning. It's just that the Mars square Pluto, I mean, this is like the culmination of, 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 of an intense chess match, you know, between, you know, two species on the planet. You know, I mean, like, like, like this chess match is being played for keeps. And unless you're a chess master, you can't understand the intensity behind the moves being made. By the end of the month, it's like a fast-paced backgammon game where it moves so fast you can just follow it and see who's ahead and see what's going on. And and so I think that the end of the end of July, beginning of August, I think will be more revealing. And that may be difficult to say as to compared to how much has been revealed, you know, by the actions. Again, I'm looking at this from a United States eccentric perspective. And I apologize to my international friends for that. But just how much has been revealed in the last week is nuts. And when I say revealed, you know, again, I mean, from a Supreme Court decision, you know, that allows people to carry guns in New York unconcealed, even though New York has made it illegal, that makes it illegal for the feds, although they can dictate that, it makes it illegal for the feds to, to, you know, allow abortions, you know, for any woman anywhere. And that makes it illegal for the feds to, you know, to manage or dictate environmental um, issues and more. You know, I mean, it's just like been one thing after another. And so I don't think we'll see a stop to that. And and yet all of that is different than the Mars Uranus, where where everyone perhaps wants a voice and wants to express what they feel or think. And hopefully it'll happen, and hopefully it'll happen in a way that has made the United States different than some other countries, perhaps with the exception of the Civil War period and, oh yeah, the exception of all the violence that happens underneath the the surface. However, if there's a saving grace to this country, it's the idea of being able to work out our differences and figure out a common way forward even though our beliefs may be very different. You know, Rick, we have friends from Ireland and Canada in the chat who are confirming that things are, it's a similar energy going on in other places, even though we're using the United States as the example. Yeah. There's th- This is happening all around, which of course the astrology is happening everywhere. And then uh, what you're talking about, about the, the energy, it, it's almost like all these things are happening right now, right? You're, you're, you're pointing out a lot of things that are happening right now. Yeah. And yet- because of Pluto's placement, it would be wise, it seems, that we're sort of looking at the undercurrent. What is the, what is actually going on underneath the surface? Because on the surface, it's like, what? How is this all happening all at the very same time? Why now? Why are the, you know, some of these issues have been, you know, sort of quote unquote put to bed for decades. And then all of a sudden it's like, let's bring them all and blow them all up. So what is the undercurrent? What is really happening? And maybe that's what's going to be revealed at the end of the month. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think some of that is just, you know, it's it's the convergence of of a perfect storm. I mean, it's the time. I mean, the, these major things that have been happening politically in the United States, you know, have been 40, 50 years in the planning. You know, it's not like they're just happening out of the blue. And yet you're right. I think these are issues all over all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, there are many, France just comes to mind, um, Indonesia, uh, many countries are having the same Uranus, um, Saturn square of the conservative versus the progressive in whatever way, you know, it's expressed locally, you know, but you have countries like Catholic countries, you know, like Ireland, you know, allowing abortion, looking at the United States going, are we next to lose what we gained? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all interesting. And I love what you said, reminding us that there's probably not going to be a resolution right now. And to try and resolve everything right now, it's probably not going to work. And that there's more information, there's more listening, there's more uh, taking energy in, as you said, that we'll be doing all month long. And we'll be here together at the end of July and we can reflect back on what happened. But it's going to, it sounds like it's going to be pretty wild. It's going to continue in this, this, uh, really um, just kind of chaotic. It, it feels chaotic. Amanda, when you were resetting your computer, and I think we're offline for a moment before, I, I offered another theme for, hmm. for the month, um, and that is no escape. Ooh. In, in, other words, in, in other words, the stew is cooking. Yeah. I mean, someone in the, in the chat uh, referred to the frog in the pot that's boiling. You know that that whole thing where the water's getting turned up and, and into boiling. I don't know if we're the frogs in the pot, but the no escape is definitely resonating. It's like, we can't really get out of this. We got to go through it. And for, and for the record, um, that, that story may or may not be true. And for those people who don't know what we're talking about, the idea is if you put a, fro- a frog into a pot of cold water and gradually heat it until it's boiling, the frog will boil to death. And um, I'm not convinced. Oh, I'm glad you're not convinced. That's there's hope for us all. <laughs> yeah. Well, all I can say is let's not wait until the water is boiling. Although, on the other hand, the water already might be boiling. Yeah. Uh, all I can think of is the Rumi poem. You know, it's like the morning has arrived. Do not go back to sleep. That's not exactly the exact words, but it's like you know the the birds are singing. The world is happy. Do not go back to sleep. It's like that's what happens when a frog boils to death in the water. It basically gets lulled by the warmth and it goes back to sleep. We do not have that luxury. We cannot go back to sleep. Rick, I know we're we're way over time, but I just Gabrielle asked a question and I'd love to just hear your thoughts on it. Gabrielle says, "Is there hope?" I would like to say that and and hi Gabrielle and and um and, and thanks for the question. I think there's beyond hope. I, I, you know, as, as I've said before, some of you may have heard me or not. I have a problem with the word hope because hope puts action into the future and it takes the pressure off of the moment. I hope things will get better. Therefore, I don't have to do anything about it today. I don't think hope is necessarily the, the, the right thing to wish for. I think faith is and faith and i don't mean faith in someone coming to save us i mean faith in the human spirit faith in the fact that it's apparent from things that have happened already that in this age of instantaneous communication digital you know communication where everyone on the planet can pretty much experience something at the same time that it's possible to turn the consciousness around on a dime. 
uh, uh, in a moment. And so from that standpoint, it's not hope that something will happen. It's faith that if we all do our part, if we all keep stirring the pot without making it worse, without without stirring it so violently that we spill shit all over the stove, you know, if we just keep things in motion, that the faith is not that someone will come and fix it, someone, something, I hope it will get better. But instead, I have faith in us. I have faith in you. I have faith in me. I have faith in humanity. And that, I think, is more important than hope. That's just my little take. Well, you know, there's a lot of of our community in the chat who are completely agreeing, and they do have faith. So if we're just a little microcosm of, of groups that may be happening all over the world, then that's a good sign because... I would- I, I would be I would be a lousy dad if I didn't say that my daughter's name, who's my daughter in her forties, um, her name is Faith. Oh, that's so nice. Love it. Okay, well, Rick, thank you so much. This has been such a thorough overview of the month ahead, and and we just appreciate you so much, Rick. Thank you so much for showing up for us, for giving us the read on the energies, for giving us tools and perspectives and ways that we can work with it really productively. And thanks to all of you for being here and caring and showing up and having faith in yourself and each other and, and humanity at this and, point. And one other thing I'd like to just say, thank you to all of you who uh, wished me, wished me well during my little dance with COVID. I, I'm pretty much better. I'm a little bit tired around the edges, but, um, but, but thank you all for that support. I much appreciate it. Oh my gosh. There was an outpouring and people were so supportive of you, Rick. And you seem great. Like you're, you, you seem like you're back, which is awesome to see. Yeah. Great energy. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. If you are still thinking about the inner circle, now's the time to do it. Astrologyhub.com slash inner circle 22. Keep in mind too, when you join the inner circle, you get 20% discounts off all courses and workshops that Astrology Hub puts on. So if you haven't done Astrology Foundations with Rick, you could become an Inner Circle member, get 20% off that entire suite of classes, and also get to join the Inner Circle. So that's something else to keep in mind. Not just sweet, very sweet. Very sweet. Well, actually, even better than sweet, it's a bundle. It's a Rick Levine <laughs> bundle, <laughs> which I just always love. So yes, that is uh that's that's part of what you get as a perk of being an inner circle member. So we'll look forward to being with all of you, not next week, but the week after for the cosmic connection. And Rick, I know we still we need to talk about how we might do that ask wait, was it solar, solar fire? demo of the of the software yeah so there's there's some cool things coming and we're really excited to share them with you and everybody take care have a beautiful month and we'll catch you on the next episode this podcast is presented by astrology hub you can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast if you enjoyed this episode please rate review and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.